This is the Six Figure Creative Podcast, episode 191. Welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast, where our mission is to help you turn your creative passions into a stable, reliable income. If you're in audio, video, design, photography, or really any other creative field, and you just want to learn from other successful creatives, you're in the right place. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Creative Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood. I'm here with my big, bald, beautiful co-host in his... Is that a like a purplish, pinkish, it's lavender purplish. hoodie? Christopher J. Graham, how are you doing today, Chris? I'm fantastic, man. I'm having a great day. You sound a little sick. Is it just because you just woke up or is it like you got COVID right now? What's going on? No, I slept in this morning. I stayed up super late last night making art and recording things and adjusting cameras and having so much fun. And so I'm a little bit sleepy today. Well, I'm just going to call you out. According to our shared app here for health, oh, man. you moved like... 500 steps yesterday. Like you were so low on the exercise because we have, I got an Apple watch and we shared each other's health data with each other because that's like a privacy concern. And now I can like shame Chris if he doesn't get at least, I mean, I've been doing 10,000 steps a day every day. I've been doing about 90 minutes of workouts. Like I saw that you burned an awful lot of calories at like 1030 PM last night. What was going on? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow, dude. Wait, wait, invade my private. Actually, my, my watch was off last night. So that's a bold face lie. What kind of podcast is this? <laughs> yeah, our <laughs> guest is like, what is this? So speaking of guests, we have a, uh, re- a three-peat guest today. We have Mr. Graham Cochran on the show who has been on episode 46, episode 90, and then kind of like a little fun reappearance. We, we brought him back a replay episode on 171. We brought his personal finance episode back. So this is your third interview, fourth time to show up on the show. Mr. Graham Cochran, good to have you here. Wow. I'm an honor to be a four Pete, really. If you want to, I, I want to take all the credit I can get. So all, all opportunities to say, yes, I was here. Yeah. So Graham, for those who don't know, just to say that right now, I'm going to mess this up. Chris Graham and Graham Cochran. I'm going to mess these names up. I guarantee it on this episode, but Graham Cochran has the wonderful podcast of which I am an avid listener. I listen to just about every single episode, every single week of the Graham Cochran show. And I have been since the beginning. There was a lull where I went about six months without listening. And then I caught back up on all of them. So like, I'm a fan, Graham. And not just that, I'm a member of your membership site too. I joined uh, this go around as well. So dude, I thought I saw you join. That's incredible. I'm not just a fan. I am a client or customer of, of Graham's as well. And also business coach for Chris Graham. So just so you know, like he is the highest, the highest we could possibly recommend someone to our audience, Graham Cochran on the show. And he's going to come on here today to talk to us about something that I'm really, really, uh, to use a bad word, passionate about something that I believe wholeheartedly in. And it's something that uh, I'm, I'm about to make a whole neon sign to go on my wall behind me that says this because I say it so freaking much. And it's the, the saying that I say all the time, which is it takes more than passion because as freelancers, we're almost always passion first. We're passion led. We got into this because of something called passion, but that doesn't mean we're a business owner. That doesn't mean we're equipped to do what we need to do in order to succeed. And Graham is going to hopefully kick our booties into gear. We don't cuss on this podcast anymore, by the way, Graham. So that's a, that's a fun thing. Or if we do it, we do sometimes when we bleep it out. That's the, the six figure creative way today. Uh, but you're going to kick our booties in gear, Graham. So let's, uh, let's talk about just that line right there. It takes more than passion to make it as a anything, honestly, as a business owner, as a freelancer or to anything if you're trying to make a living from it. Yeah, well, I love, as you sh- first of all, you should get that sign. I think that's a great reminder. I don't know what it is about the follow your passion mantra. It's very popular. I think it feeds to like the fact that 
it feeds to something real that we all have something we're passionate about, right? I'm a Christian. So my worldview says that like God's wired us a certain way to have certain skills and the desires are a clue as to what we were created to do, right? Like a coffee pot was created to make coffee. So it makes sense for a coffee pot to want to do that. And so we're wired a certain way. So I think it's a good starting point. And I think that's why people like light up when you talk about passion, plus everyone hates their job. And so they, they want to be told that you can make a living following your passion. So that speaks to a, a desire that we have for a better life. And then people get either jaded because they tried it and it didn't work because to your point, passion isn't enough, or they're just a skeptical, cynical person. And they don't believe that like they really could do work for a living or have a business that's about something they love and really wake up and be like, wow, I can't believe I get to do this. So it, there's, there, it's a hot button issue, but passion is important. And I think if you look at the biggest entrepreneurs in the world or the most successful businesses in the world, generally there's someone behind it or a founder behind it who was very passionate about solving a problem or doing something unique in the world or in the marketplace. And that drove a lot of innovation because business is, a, is an art as much as it is a science. And so you need some of that like creativity to play around with stuff the problem is that passion doesn't pay the bills by itself. I mean, it's very hard to just be passionate about something and money flow to you. I, I, to that point, I make the example a lot that I'm very passionate about eating pizza. Very, very passionate about eating pizza. Now, there are ways to monetize that. Some guys have done that. Uh, I, I haven't done a good job of that. So just being passionate about pizza won't send money to my bank account. There's a YouTuber, you see him running all around New York and he gets a pizza and he says, everybody knows the rules. You take one bite of pizza, he gives it a rating or whatever. And the, the videos get tons and tons of views. So he's, he's making money from his passion at pizza. So that is the thing you could do, but I guarantee you he does more than just eat pizza. And it took a lot of work to get to where he is to get to that. So we may reference that, that example again today, because that's funny that you use the, the passion about pizza thing. Well, and it, it, that's also true. Let me jump in here too, because you know, I would imagine that a lot of, in, in this particular example, a lot of people are really passionate about eating pizza. And for this guy in New York, it takes a lot of work, luck, and skill to become part of the upper crust <laughs> in the pizza game. Oh, you know? okay. You know what? This is okay, Chris, because we got a, We have a friend here. When we have like guests on that we don't have any relationship with, I'm like, I like cringe inside when you use your puns and you like interrupt the show. But Graham knew what he was getting himself into today. <laughs> I'll do my best to toppings that pun. Oh, wow. Is that too cheesy? <laughs> this is a great start. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about this. Okay. So as business owners, as freelancers, as self-employed people, whatever you want to consider yourself, there are certain things, there's like certain attributes we have to have in order to be successful. And I think that's ultimately what it starts with. We start with passion, but also we start with the only thing we really have, which is us, ourselves. So what, what is it that separates people? Like there are people that, that can hit the ground running as a new business owner and just absolutely excel. And they have something different than the people who continuously struggle to make it. What are those things that are missing between those two people? What attributes are they missing? Man, there's so many, right? I think that the, uh, like one thing we could talk about for hours is I think the number one attribute of a successful business owner, that's discipline, you know? And so discipline looks like a lot of different things. Discipline looks like consistency. Like, can you consistently show up? Like creatives notoriously suck at this. Like we're, we're not disciplined typically and we're not consistent typically. We're like in the moment, like, like, I don't know, like Chris, you were, you were creating art last night. I don't know if that was spontaneous or planned, but like when, for years in the recording revolution, when I would talk to people about songwriting is like real songwriters, it's their job. They show up nine to five and they sit down and they write. People are like, well, that's ridiculous. That's not being creative. I'm like, no, you're ridiculous. The reason they write hit songs is because they force themselves to consistently show up and they don't write a hit song every day. Like they walk away knowing that they tried, but they consistently showed up. 
And people don't like that because a lot of people aren't disciplined by nature. So it's a harder one. It's one you have to work on. But the, the, also the flip is that it's great because you don't have to be an Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or Steve Jobs or anybody fill in the blank. You don't have to be a genius. You actually don't have to be that smart to succeed in business. It's really the ones who win are the ones who are disciplined enough to consistently show up, which is important. But then you back the train up, like consistently show up and do what? Like if you just show up and eat pizza all day, like again, if you haven't found where that passion about pizza, if we keep using that analogy, where that passion like cross sections or intersections with the market's demands, like what do people want to pay for? If you can figure that out and find some like, you know, like some intersection there, then, then you can figure out the other elements of what the business needs to succeed. But it's those that continue to show up that treat it like a job. Like I'm so shocked when I talk to um, like students of mine or business owners who are trying to start an online business, let's say, cause I teach all that kind of stuff, digital courses, memberships. And they're like so surprised they haven't made money yet. And when you dig deeper, you find out that they kind of like work some days and not other days or they'll work in the morning sometimes or in the afternoons. I'm like, Dude, if you worked for me and worked like that and just showed up when you wanted, I wouldn't pay you. I'd fire you. Like, you, how do you expect you to make money? Like, you wouldn't treat your employer that way if it was a job. So why do you treat yourself? Because you're two people when you own a business. You're the employee and the employer. Why would you put on your employee hat and then treat your employer hat with that much disrespect by not showing up faithfully and expecting a paycheck, not showing up consistently and expecting it to grow. Like you have to perform for yourself as the owner to, so does that make sense? Like it's those multiple roles and it's, that's the stuff that gets lost in the, we can just be passionate and be excited and it's all going to work out. So I, there's there as business owners, as any, anyone who ha, who works for themselves, you have to wear multiple hats. And that's the, I think that's the biggest detriment we have as, as people who are, we're in charge of our own days. And when we wear multiple hats, sometimes we're fulfilling work. Sometimes we're talking to potential clients. We're doing sales. Sometimes we're doing marketing. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're trying to make big picture decisions of our business. Sometimes we have to put our CEO hat on or the boss hat on. And you kind of touched on it right there. So many people listening right now, if you put your CEO hat on for a second or just the boss man hat or boss woman hat for a second, and then just looked at your past week or month of job consistency, you would fire yourself right then and there. So maybe today you need to fire yourself and rehire and start from scratch because I think you hit a lot of stuff there that is is really important. And it's so it's so boring. No one wants to talk about this. This this episode, maybe we lost people, who knows? But it's so it's so important because like consistency wins the game. And you brought up something of songwriting, for example, episode 104, we interviewed Seth Mosley, who's a friend of ours here. I love Seth. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the episode's titled the recipe for platinum records, number one hits and a seven figure income. So Seth has all of those things. Seth has 20 something, maybe 30 something number one singles at this point. And it is because he is so consistent. He's the master of showing up and doing the, sometimes the boring work or doing it, treating it like a, like a job. And man, I don't know how many people we just turned off saying treating it like a job, but I want to, I think it's worth addressing this right here. Like your business as a freelancer, as a creative, there will always be things you don't like doing in it. There's nothing you can make a living from where there's not going to be some sort of work you don't like doing. And we have to be okay with that. It is still better in almost all cases, as long as you have a healthy business, it's still better than a, a, a day job where you're building someone else's dream. At least you're building something for yourself. And, and so, yeah, that's, those are my thoughts of what you said is consistency and working working on the things you know you're supposed to do. And so many people struggle with that. Which I think brings up a really interesting question and a really great conversation is as creatives who are subjected to the whim of the muse, how do we get more consistent? That's a great question. 
in my opinion, it starts with understanding what really drives the business. Because to the point, the other side of the argument is, well, there's people that they will put in a solid 40, 50, 60 hours a week on their business. And they would come home every day and be like, man, I, I busted my butt and I'm, I'm hustling. I'm rise or grind. Like I, I rise and grind. I hate that term. Like business doesn't have to be a grind. That's the grinding is like a bad negative thing. Like, can we use some more positive hustle and grind are like the worst words. Look them up in the dictionary. They're not positive yeah, yeah. words. Why would I associate my life or business with either of those terms? It's because Gary V told me to <laughs> <laughs> whatever Gary says. And so like they will walk away being like, I did a lot of stuff. I'm consistent. I'm disciplined. Good point. But are you doing the things that drive the business? That is such a great point because I know a lot of people I can think of right this second who work consistently all the time and they're working on the wrong things. And you said it earlier, working on the right things is also a huge part of this. It is. And it's hard to know. So because if you base your business, this is why you need to get either like a mentor or coaching or just really do your due diligence to figure out what it takes to drive the kind of business you want to build from someone who's done it before. If you just look at what people are doing online, which is how a lot of us decide what to do with our own businesses and lives, which makes no sense because who knows if those people are successful or why they're doing what they're doing. But we do, we look at people and go, well, they post a TikTok, they post an Instagram, they got YouTube videos, they have a podcast, they're doing webinars, they're doing Facebook ads. We just see what they're doing and we assume they must be successful. And sometimes there's metrics that would warrant that, but sometimes we really don't know on the other end of the thing. So we just copy. And the problem with that is you still don't know what you're doing. You're just copying people. And then you're hurting yourself because you're exhausted and you're like, Graham, this doesn't work. I've done this for months and months and months. So I think you have to understand what makes a business tick. The good news about that is you can figure it out. And once you do, to your point, Brian, like if there's elements of it you don't want to do, once you drive the business to a point where it's paying all your bills and then some, you can start to outsource the stuff you don't want to do. You've earned that right because you, you've built a healthy business first. And then two, you can automate a lot of those things. There's a lot of software. Every day, there's a new piece of software that takes something off your plate that once we had to do by ourselves or it makes it faster. And then three, you also don't have to do everything that could drive the business forward. For example, there are things that I could do to make more money in my business that I just don't feel like doing because I don't want to show up in the office more or I feel like I've had a very busy season. Like right now, I've got a book coming out and I'm, it's been a long, like publishing a book with a traditional publisher is this really long arc, you know, where it's been like almost two years. It's like a year and a half. And I'm like, I, I've, I've got a lot I'm doing, a lot of other things going on with that. I don't want to do one-on-one coaching. So I'm saying no to a lot of high ticket one-on-one coaching that I get asked about all the time, even though I could do it and it would make sense to make money. I don't want to do the work right now because I need some mental space to do other things. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's a really important thing. You, you kind of touched on sort of, you brush up against this and that is just looking to other people in order to decide what you're going to do. Isn't really working on the right things because you, you said it, you don't know what the results of those things are. An example that I always use is social media. So many people assume you have to do social media in order to be successful. And I have built multiple businesses without ever focusing on social media. I, I focus on other things. That doesn't mean social media doesn't work. That just means that you don't have to do it. There are other ways to get around that. Any of these things could work if you put enough focus and effort and consistency into them. It's just a matter of not trying to do all the things, especially at the same time. And this goes back to, especially people earlier in their careers, looking to someone who is years into their career and trying to duplicate what they're doing, trying to replicate other people's you know, level 100 to use RPG gaming terms. They're like max level. You know, if they got the best armor, the best weapons, they have like all, they're in the best areas fighting the best enemies and getting the best loot. And you're like 
this little level one guy and you're like, I'm going to go to that area and try to try to farm gear there. This is going off the rails here, guys. Sorry for our non gamers <laughs> I like where this is going. You had me at RPG. And then you get there and you get one hit killed and then you're wiped out because you try to do something that you weren't ready for yet. And I think so many people fail to understand that as new business owners. What's interesting about that too is, is there's a lack of creativity there. As creatives, we take a lot of pride in our creativity and our uniqueness and our specialness and to just look around at other people's businesses and just sort of copycat and assume and do all the things that you see other people doing, just assuming that they are the right things, doesn't jive. It's strange that as creatives, we can be totally unique in our art and just copycats with our business models. Mm, wow. Mic drop. But why is that though? Because it's insecurity, right? Because there's so much freaking fear. I think fear is the problem. Uh, there's so much fear of, uh, uh, I don't know what to do. And then laziness. I don't want to figure out what works. So I'm just going to copy someone assuming they've already figured it out. That's like, a, that's, that's not the same thing as learning from someone who's figured it out. That's just copying what you see. And that's like the, I can stay in my pajamas and sort of look and not actually get into this world. And it's just, I don't know what, if it's the, I have, I have theories about the school system that trains us not to fail and we don't have to get into that, but, but certainly there's a, so much fear of failure. So it's like, well, she has 100,000 followers on TikTok. She must be doing something right. Don't, don't mistake followers for a business. I, I interact with YouTubers who have massive YouTube channels and they don't have a business. They don't, they don't have enough, they can't make enough money. They're at the whims of the algorithm, even of YouTube. And I love YouTube. I've built my businesses off of YouTube, but I, that's a starting point for the rest of my business because I don't trust any platform. Every platform will, will mess with you. So don't look at the vanity metrics, figure out how this business model works, whatever it is you want to do, because I guarantee you there's someone who's gone there before and you can just ask the right questions, pay for their time if you have to, if, they, if you don't know anybody that will sit down for coffee with you or take a course or whatever. It's not that hard to figure out the mechanics. And there's a few things that are, 100% true about certain business models. And then there's a lot that's up to your creativity that you can play with and do it in your own unique way. You don't have to literally copy a business model, but there's some foundational things that make it work. And that's where you're going to make the money to then have the freedom to try your own unique spin. Yeah, so I, the reason I like to push on the, it takes more than passion conversation is because it allows me to explore other areas of focus and, and get people deeper into our ecosystem at Six Figure Creative, which is like understanding that there are other skills outside of your creative skills that you have to, to learn to get at least to a level of proficiency. You don't have to master, but you have to be proficient in a lot of other skills to become a business owner. And that's why I'm really struggling what to call our audience. If it's just freelancers, if it's self-employed, I prefer the term business owner because that puts you into a different mindset. And earlier you touched on something, Graham, called outsourcing. That's when you take a task that you don't like doing in your business, which is a lot of tasks for me. And then you hire people, helpers, part-time, full-time, whatever you want, to take some of those tasks off your plate. An example would be for you, Graham. I don't think you edit your videos at this point, do you? <laughs> no, no, I don't. You don't even need to edit your videos because you're a one-take wonder, Graham Cochran. I forgot about that. But for the rest of us plebeians in the world, we have to get our videos edited. And I don't edit my videos for YouTube. I have a guy that does it for me. And it's because I think through it from the perspective as a, as a business owner. But there's another thing, and this is the area I think we need to talk about for a while, that holds people back from thinking of themselves as a business owner is that lack of self-confidence. It's that fear. I think it's tied to limiting beliefs that we have about ourselves we are this and we're not that, or I can't be this because of that. And it's, it's just, it's, it's down to limiting beliefs. I think one of the things that, that Graham, I'd love to hear you speak on with this because you're incredible at this is what I would call Willy wonka in. <laughs> There's the scene in the beginning of the movie, Willy Wonka, the original with, with Gene Wilder, where he's walking out and he hits, he comes to the stairs and then he falls down the stairs 
And then he pops up and says, ta-da! And he takes what probably was a mistake, what probably was, was not looking graceful, was not looking the way he wanted to, and he turns it into this ta-da moment. And I think, Graham, one of the things that you do such a great job at, and one of the things that I think we as creatives need to be better at is trying to figure out, okay, I'm on camera or I'm on the mic or I'm making art or I'm doing my thing and I just back myself into a corner and I messed up. Do I hit a dead end and be like, what's next? Or do I find a way to catapult that, to catapult myself into the next thing? A good example of that, Chris, is how I just queued him up for the perfect next segment of the podcast. And then you just hijacked the whole conversation for your Willy Wonka theme. So let's see if we can Willy Wonka this. Graham, which one do you want to address here? Oh, I can, I can tie it all together. I'm going to Willy Wonka this. Take it, take this it. This is super meta. But that, to, to your question, Chris, there is a limiting belief that relates to what you're talking about, which is it has to be perfect. Like my business has to be perfect or optimized, or I have to always make the right decisions. So there's a lot of fallout there of like, if I make a mistake, how do I handle that mistake? That is my biggest problem, Graham. I am so slow to, to do and implement and release things because I'm a perfectionist. I want it to be perfect, optimized before I start scaling anything. Okay. So this is really, con- and it does depend on the personality. So you're one of those people, Brian, that you probably want to split test subject lines, sales pages, landing pages. Does this color button convert better than purple or whatever? Bigger than that, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, and I love that, right? Cause you're the mad scientists of the world that are going to eventually take over the world because you, you're, I'm, I'm too lazy to really worry about it being the ultimate, but, but it holds people like you back. Although you've, you found a way to make it work. So there's people that at the worst, they don't launch the product until it's perfect. They won't put out their sales page until it's perfect. They won't start a freelancing career until they know the right price to charge per hour, or should it be per hour or a package rate or whatever? Like they're stuck on something. And so a couple of things related to that, that I try to help students with is like, that's a lie that it has to be perfect or optimized. All, the, all that you need it to do in a business is to, to make money. It just needs to make money. Like if it doesn't make money, something's not right. Then it's, uh, you have a hobby, you don't have a business. But if it makes money, that's, that's all that it needs to do. You, you can improve it. And I'm all about improving things, but it doesn't have to be perfect for you to have a, a profitable business. The other thing is that I see a lot of people so obsessed with looking for best practices. Like they want to know, is this the best way or the right way? Because it's really, again, fear. They want to validate their work. They, they want to just know and reaffirm themselves that they're doing it right. And I tell people, stop looking for best practices. Look for sales. Again, is it, is it making money? That's the only metric that you need to really know is like, if the business is working, could it be better? hundred percent. Could my systems be better? Oh, without a doubt. What, I, what about my sales copy? Could it be better? Absolutely. I hired a marketing guy years ago uh, and I thought he was going to come in and like destroy all my sales copy and write it. But I was so excited. I was like, rip it apart, make it better. Show me the, put that one different headline at the top and then it's going to double my sales. And he was like, I'm not going to change any of your sales copy. I'm like, but it's not that great. He's like, it's making sales, right? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, then let's do other things. Let's focus on other things. And that like blew my mind. I was like, wow. I mean, I know it's not that great, but he really just moved on. He was looking for the things that would really move the needle. And I think there's a lot of freedom if you can stop trying to be perfect or optimized, because I think optimization is just robbing you of joy, of having a simple, profitable business. That's all we need. You mentioned earlier, or I mentioned earlier about having proficiency in a skill, but not having to be a master of that skill. And it's the same when we're talking about marketing, which is what you're talking about right now, is get it good enough and then move on. 
And this is something I'm preaching to myself right now because I'm not doing that. Before we get into the podcast today, let me tell you a little something crazy about myself. I'm actually a psychic and I'm going to prove it to you. You and I, we've probably never met, but I bet I can describe your business better than you can. Here's what my crystal ball says. You probably have no idea how to get clients other than waiting around for referrals and word of mouth. You're stuck in a perpetual cycle of feast or famine. So you have wild income swings from month to month. You're charging way less than you should and you know it, but you don't do anything about it. You feel like you have a million things you could be doing in your business and you have no idea what you should be focusing on. And you have tons of little half-built bridges leading to nowhere because you've jumped from thing to thing to thing as a dabbler. Am I right? Does this sound eerily similar to you? That's because I've been in your shoes and I've worked with thousands of freelancers who've also been there. So I'm not a psychic. My crystal ball is not real. I just have a really clear understanding of what freelancers are facing today. And if I can predict your problems, you can bet I actually have a solution to these problems. It's called client acquisition. We talk about this all the time on the podcast, but for some reason, freelancers still haven't really figured this out yet. This is why I created Clients by Design Coaching. It's a truly unique coaching program that helps you build your own client acquisition machine so you can break out of this feast or famine cycle that most freelancers never escape. So here's how our approach is unique. First, we do a deep dive on your business, we figure out what's missing, and we give you a complete marketing roadmap right from the start. So no more dabbling, no more guesswork, just a clear path to getting more clients. You always know what your next step is because we actually assign specific tasks to you. So instead of feeling overwhelmed, instead of feeling scattered, you can just focus on your next step. That's it. We give you unlimited feedback on everything you do so you can feel confident that every single step you're taking is the right one. And we hold you accountable, not by nagging you, but just by genuinely supporting and cheering you on every step of the way. If you're behind on any steps we've assigned to you, we'll proactively reach out and see how we can help. Clients by Design is not a course. We look at it like a partnership. We'll always show up. We'll always give you what you need, but you have to be willing to put in the work. This program is not for everyone, and that is okay. As of right now, I just checked the numbers. We've only approved about 25% of the applicants we've gotten so far, and that's because we are selective. We only accept your application if we believe we can truly help you. So if you're ready to end your feast or famine cycle and build a client acquisition machine, you can apply for Clients by Design by going to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach. That's the number six, figurecreative.com slash coach. Now here's our show. But there is a deeper issue with a lot of people. It's that fear. It's that it's something holding us back. And and I, I mentioned limiting beliefs earlier, but I'd like for you to, t- to touch on those because I feel like you address limiting beliefs better than a lot of people that I've heard talk about these. And it's worth just hearing your input on some of the most common limiting beliefs that you see that hold people back from taking that next step that they know they need to take, but just haven't done yet because of some sort of fear or limiting belief that's holding them back. Yeah, here's a couple. I mean, everyone's different. So maybe just listen into the one that really speaks to you. One is I hear is a lot is I don't have enough time. It's like that's a, such a classic. I don't, have, I don't have time to start this business. I, I wish I would love to. I, I probably could. I've, I've listened to all the Six Figure Creative Podcast episodes. I understand it all. I don't have time. That's just a lie. Like you don't have time. None of us have time. We make time. We make time for the things that are important to us, right? We always do. If you're listening to this, you've made time to listen to this because you value this. You think this is important. You're finding a way to do the things, to watch the, the Netflix episode, to, to lose time on TikTok videos, like watching cats dance, whatever it is, like you're, you're making time. So time isn't the problem. A lot of times it's like we touched on earlier is doing the right things with your time. That's where I'm a huge fan of like the 80-20 rule and always constantly like every three to six months reevaluating everything I do in my business through the lens of 80-20. Like the reality would be, according to 80-20, that 80% of what I do in my business leads to 20% of the results, which is pretty subpar and, and sad. So you could almost stop doing four-fifths of what you're doing and most of your business's success would still be there. 
So that frees up a ton of time when you have the guts to cut stuff that kind of works, but doesn't make, make a big difference like social media. No offense to, it really, most of us don't need to be active on social media to make a big living. It's a lot of time. That's like, it takes 80% of your time, but it might contribute to 20% of your results where a few things take 20% of your time, but contribute to 80% of your results. And that sort of reality is so freeing for people when you get it. We have a full episode on the 80-20 principle for anyone who's not exactly sure how that applies to them. Episode 45. It's one of our oldies when we were the Six Figure Home Studio. It's called, the episode title is How Studio Owners Are Multiplying Their Income and Minimizing Their Headaches Using the 80-20 Principle. Let me just throw this in here. Graham, you're kicking my butt, man. This is, this is one of the reasons I was so excited for this episode is I'm very guilty of this over-optimization thing. I have spent so much time getting my sort of command center, my video, audio, media thing set up instead of actually doing the things that I know I need to be doing to to grow my business and to simplify it. It's the technician inside of both of us, Chris. (laughs) I love the vision that you're casting, man. I love it. So you talked about not having enough time. That's a a limiting belief that we have. What are some other ones that are common for people to hold them back from doing the things they know they need to do? Yeah. One that's just still part of that not having enough time that maybe is another one is that there's just, this is what I tell people, stop being in a hurry. I don't know if if you guys sense it or if you feel it, but there's this sense in the generation today that maybe it's because of social media and, and all of the access to seeing other people's lives. Everyone I talk to feels like they're in a hurry to make this business work. They, it has to work. I have to hit six figures. I have to hit it in the next 90 days. Like, there's so much pressure or if they don't actually need the money, they feel like, well, everyone's making money quickly. It feels like, so they feel like if they don't, there's something wrong with them. And I just, I, I hurry, will just make you do dumb stuff because you're going to be desperate. And, and, and the, the type of business that's sustainable, like you have to think like, isn't it the Japanese? Don't they make business plans that are like 400 year business plans? Like they set up their businesses. Doesn't, they're not going to, they're going to be dead. Their kids are going to be dead. Their grandkids are going to be dead, but they set up their businesses as if it could last for four to 600 years. And that that's very interesting because it just changes. It's not that they want it to last that long. Maybe they do but it changes the type of business they're building. It's something that actually has legs. And I always want people to think about like, can you do this for the next 10 years? If you can't run at the pace you're running for the next 10 years, because you're in a hurry to make money quickly, you don't have a real business that's sustainable. You're just chasing after something. And I'd rather you find a business model that's proven. Maybe it's a little slower. It's not very sexy, but it's going to be sustainable for the long haul. There's no rush. There's a great interview with Chamath, Palahapitiya, I'm, I'm probably butchering his name. He was one of the early execs at Facebook. He's a billionaire. He says some very controversial things sometimes, but he was at this really cool interview where he was at maybe at Google and there's a bunch of people asking him about startups and businesses. And one guy asked him about like, you know, what's the fastest way to grow, you know, a tech company or whatever. And he started to call this guy out and he said, don't, don't grow it fast. He said, I've seen all these businesses that want to start up fast. He said, the faster you build a company, that's the half-life basically it'll get destroyed in the same amount of time. You see it in relationships. You see in relationships too. People that go 100 miles an hour from day one and then they burn out like a spark. It's just like fast, fast, easy come, easy go. So I understand that. And James will put the interview uh, in the show notes for anyone who wants to, to listen through that, assuming he can find it. Because I wouldn't even know the first way to spell that name. <laughs> yeah, C-H-A-M-A-T-H. Just look him up on YouTube. He's got a lot of great interviews. But his whole point was look at Amazon. He, he's like, that's the kind of company, not because of how big it is, but like Amazon wasn't profitable for so long. Now they had some legs for it, but like they, they were building 
they weren't building something quick in the nineties. Like, I just want to build a cool little bookstore. Like you, we realize now that Jeff had like crazy plans. He wanted to build a massive company so that he could build rockets for his other company. You know, like that, that's a long, slow build, but it's like that business is not going to overnight disappear. It can't because it's so deep with the roots. And so stop being in a hurry. Like people say they don't have enough time. They also are in a hurry and they're going to live out that anxious, frantic life. And it's going to show up in their business. Like you're, there's no rush. There's no rush to be successful. You've got decades. So there's one other area of limiting beliefs, Graham, that I think are worth addressing here. And that is that it's the fear of failure. You, you, you kind of briefly touched on it with your theory around schools and stuff. We don't have to get into that. But I think the fear of failure is, is truly what holds back the majority of people that I've talked to. It is that fear of failure that keeps them from taking that next scary step, from doing the thing that stretches them to do the thing that they maybe don't want to do that's scary. Maybe the thing that held you back from launching your podcast back in the day, Graham. I remember when you were like hesitant to launch it. The thing that maybe held you back from doing a book, <laughs> book launch, which is a scary next step. And, but you pushed through and you still did both of those things. And I think, I think you're a good example of someone who is willing to push through those fears in order to get to the other side to reap the rewards of that. And I'd love for you to talk on that for a bit because our audience might need that, that kick in the butt today. Man, this is a, this is a, a near and dear topic to me because this is very real and palpable and it hasn't really fully gone away. So there's a couple things. One angle is you are not your work. Most people, they don't realize they've wrapped their identity into what they do. And it, it's, it's subconscious. We just, it's just the way our culture is in America, at least in the West. It's very much you are what you do. So we're so afraid of starting something that could fail because then I am a failure. If my business fails, I'm a failure. And that's just deep. And that like, you need some, like some counseling, some soul searching. And I'm not even joking. Like there, you need to learn how to separate who you are as a person from what you do for a living, because who you are as a person is a, an identity that's always there, always has been, and always will be. You can't get away from who you are, the good and the bad, the light side and the shadow side. We're a mixed bag as a human, is the human race, right? But, but you can change what you do for a living for your whole life. You can be employed, you can be self-employed, you can be unemployed, you can start different businesses, they can fail, they could be successful. You have to separate your identity from what you do, number one, because if you don't, then you, you need everything you do to succeed, to be a successful person, to not be a failure of a human being. And that's just a roller coaster ride you don't want to be on. I've been on that ride. For me, it started attaching my identity to a musician. Graham was musician, Graham was rock star, that was the dream, get a record deal, and I really believed it was going to happen. And when it didn't happen and I had to like wake up to the reality of I got to go get a job now because I'm engaged and I need to learn how to support my future wife and it doesn't look like this is going to pan out. It felt like my life ended and it was like, oh, dude, I wasn't, I had no plan B. Like this was the plan. And this, this all signs pointed to this. It was a, a moment of crisis that like literally I'm still in counseling for. Like it comes up in my counseling sessions of like, Dude, I'm still like suffering from the repercussions of that. Like, wow, that was a big letdown because that was who I was. And I thought, well, was I not talented enough? Did I not try hard enough? Did I not make enough connections? What if I had done X? And that just is destroying. So a lot of people listening might struggle with some of that identity being attached to their work. And the moment you can separate it even a bit, you have a little bit more freedom to try something that could fail. And that's okay because you're not a failure. The thing you did just didn't pan out. So you can try something else that succeeds. And to your point, Chris, you can look at other, you know, entrepreneurs like Elon Musk who have started other things that we don't talk about anymore because they failed. Or Jeff Bezos, he launched a smartphone. It's called the Fire Phone. It was a complete bomb. <laughs> it was a complete bomb. And so like they don't make successful product launches all the time. That's part of it. That's part of it. The other part of it though, is that like, man, that fear has never gone away from me. Like 
it's really real. I, with the recording revolution, I had to start that because I needed to make money and it was just a really, we've talked about that story maybe in the past, but I had no other choice. But when that took off to much of my, to my surprise, I got real comfortable being a top dog in this audio niche and people knew me. I finally had accolades. I had money. I had work I enjoyed. I was like, this is the life. And then when my desires started to expand and I, I wanted to coach people on businesses and I was doing it privately, but I was like, I feel like I should start something like another website, another brand where I could do this more publicly. The fear crept in like, don't do that, Graham. Like you're comfortable and safe here. Like you've already had success. You would think having success would mean like you'd be the Michael Jordans of the world. Like, oh, I'm good at basketball. I'll be great at baseball. Like that's, you know, and like, but I wasn't, I was like, no, I should stay. I should stay where I'm safe, where I'm successful. I don't want to start another thing. 2015, I already knew I wanted to start GrahamCochran.com. It took me three years to finally launch it because I just I kept making up excuses and I was afraid. And then even, even then to your point, Brian, like I launched the second business and then that's taken off and I could be real comfortable again. And then there's this desire in me to write this book. And I stuffed, I stuffed that desire down for so long because I've uh, fear of what people will think because everybody and their mom's writing a book. And I would, I would, I didn't want to be lumped into that category. Oh, you're writing a book too, Graham. Good for you. I wanted to be different. No, this, I'm different guys. I'm not a normal person. <laughs> so I have my own issues. And so there was that fear. And then there was the fear of well, what if I write a book and nobody buys it? That'd be embarrassing. Cause like my goal isn't just to write a book. It's to become a New York times bestselling author that writes like world changing books, idea changing books, like the books that have shaped me and changed my life. I want to do that as well. That's a big, crazy goal. So I didn't even let myself articulate that goal into the world because I was afraid that I didn't have to like do it. And what if I failed at it? And so that fear, I mean, and I'm still, hey, I, I've got through that fear enough to get some coaching on this, to learn that business model, to, to, to write a proposal, to get an agent, to be rejected by like 30 plus publishers, but to get a publisher to say yes, and then to write the book. And, and you know, we're still launching it. To, we were talking about this before we hit record. Like, this is scary. This is new. I feel like I have less control over this launch than any other product launch. So I'm still, talk to my wife. I've had more anxiety now with this book than ever before. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, you don't make money off of books. I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing this because it's a desire of mine, but why am I subjecting myself to this potential failure. So I just, I say all that to say it's never gone away for me, but to your point, Brian, there are rewards on the other side of it. And I wish you could have the rewards without the fear, without the anxiety. I think you can minimize those things, but I don't know if you can have it without it. Cause that's the whole point of like jumping off a cliff is some, there's some fear in there. Like, cause everything in you says, don't jump off the cliff, but you have to just decide if it's worth it to you. And I think having done this multiple times now, yes, it's worth it. I don't want to be stuck in the cubicle. I had, I had the cubicle. I had the oversized button-up shirt with the ties that don't match. I, I had that banging my head against the wall. I don't want that. So I guess I have to take the fear of failure with the success and the joy and all that stuff. Graham, I love that, man. And you know, I got to encourage you, and I'm not trying to flatter you or anything here, but it is evident that you have grown since the last time you've been on this show. Like it, there, there is an electricity about you that is more than what has been there in the past. And, you know, I think a lot of that, Graham, is, is you seem to be willing to do the next scary thing again and again and again and again. And I think that's really, that's a high accolade. I, I think that's a, that's a big compliment as far as what it takes to be a great creative is to stretch yourself, get comfortable, stretch yourself again, get comfortable, stretch yourself again. You do it again and again and again. And 
I think you're going to pull this off. I think that what you want to do as far as being this New York Times bestselling author, I won't blink <laughs> when it happens. It seems inevitable. We've had two New York Times bestselling authors on this podcast already. Episode 153, we had Bob Berg on the podcast, which I know you 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 know and like, author, co-author of The Go-Giver, Graham. And then uh, we had Mike Michalowicz on episode 166, author of uh, Profit First, Pumpkin Plan. And so hopefully you're our third New York Times bestselling author with your upcoming book, which we'll talk about in a second. But there's one quote from the Bible that uh, I want to bring up on this because it matches so perfectly your path, Graham. And, and it should match so many people here who are struggling with that fear of failure. The quote is from Proverbs 1423. And the quote is, and it depends on what translation you read, it's all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. And I think on your, on, and just to bring it to an example, Graham, your, your, all the work you did in that band that ultimately didn't get to where you wanted to go. And it, you face this crisis of, of facing failure in the face. That work led to everything that you, you accomplished in recording revolution. You just didn't experience it till later, but that work led to profit later because you were forced to face failure. And uh, I think so many people in our audience, even if the thing that you're working on now isn't the thing that you were successful for, if you continuously grow and stretch yourself, you will learn new skills, you will make new connections and forge new paths that eventually will lead to your success. And I've seen this happen in my life. I've seen this happen in Chris Graham's life. And I've definitely seen this happen in your life, Mr. Graham Cochran. Wow. I mean, thank you both of you guys. I mean, I'm, I'm flattered and I'm, I'm encouraged. Can we just hang out and you, can you say nice things to me all the time? This is great. This is a great start to my Monday. No, do you are so right, Brian. Like this is the thing I look back at and, and maybe to the point of the failures, like you, you know, you, there's great quotes about like, there's no failure, you know, it's all just an experiment or you're learning. And there's, there's a lot of truth to that. You got to go with Yoda. Failure. The greatest teacher is. Oh my gosh. You, you dude, you, you just are the, 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 one the master liner. of cutting our guest off in the middle of a great sentence. <laughs> yeah. But if you're yeah. going to cut me off with Yoda, I think that's, that's reasonable. I, I'm okay with that. He's wiser. <laughs> you see what I put up with Graham? This is why Graham doesn't have a co-host. <laughs> hey, his stick is denser than bacon, right? And it's better than bacon. So I don't know if you ever listen to that song. <laughs> no, I love Chris's punny interruptions. Okay, go ahead, Graham. Finish. Finish the sentence. You are always collecting experiences and skills. And, and this is what's so unique, right? You, going back to the identity is not what you do. You are who you are, but what you do helps shape your identity and it adds to your identity. So you're still your core you, the way God made you, who you are from birth, but you're, you're, you're like capturing all these experiences. And for me, like college seemed like pointless, but I had, a, I had like learned a lot of cool things that added to my identity that God helped me use for the recording revolution that I never thought I would do anything with audio engineering. Then I never thought I would teach audio engineering. I thought I'd just be in a studio because I tried that. But then my passion and experience, like I was a theater kid, so I was on stage all the time and then I was in bands. And so being on stage, presenting, teaching, talking, like not being afraid of being in front of people, all that's made me a good podcaster and like it, being on video, like to your point, like I try not to make mistakes in my podcast. I just, if I could just not screw up for 30 minutes we won't have to edit or pay someone to edit. So well, let's just do that. It's incredible to watch. I hate it so much. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. But to, to that point, like I, so my identity thing, and maybe anyone of you struggles with this, like I so desperately as a kid and a teenager wanted to be good at one thing. Like I just want to be masterful at one thing, like the Tiger Woods at my thing. Right. Mm. And so what I've done is the moment, like the thing didn't pan out, like the, the rockstar thing didn't pan out. I, I, I have a crisis. So what if I could just be great at something else? So I'm going to be the best audio engineer in the world. And then it's like, well, I'm going to be the best, you know, audio YouTuber in the, in the world. And then it's like, oh, but now I'm interested in business. So I kept getting mad at myself. Cause I, I, now I'm jumping into Tony Robbins territory and all these other people. And like, I, 
you know, this is just too big of a pond. I don't want, I don't need to be the best, but I've learned that I have, I have too much identity issue where I want it to be attached to what I do. Cause again, going back to our, our struggle, a lot of us is our identity and what we do is our, we want them to coexist and be the same thing. And, and as a Christian, I've learned like, that's not my identity. Like my identity is child of God, image bearer of God. And I'm a husband and I'm a father. And I'm like, I'm all these other things. What I do for a living, it's not completely separate because it's an extension of who I am. But man, to your point, all the experiences I've had have just like added to who I am as a person and allows me in my next endeavor, whatever that would be, to bring more dimensionality to it. And I, and I feel like, oh, none of it's been a waste. Like my audio background, my all this background helps me do what I'm doing today and makes me human. And I'm embracing that more and more. And it's, it's freeing. It's fun too. Well, speaking of your next endeavor, Graham, you've got a book coming out uh, and I know you're on your, your, your beginning just today, your big podcast tour that authors like to do, but your book's called How to Get Paid for What You Know. And I think that's a perfectly apt title for our audience because everyone here is either getting paid for what they know or they're trying to get paid for what they know. And uh, I want to do a throwback to an episode we did with Rachel Green from Green Chair Stories. She's transitioned her freelance business from service-based only to now she has kind of like a, a digital product she's tied in with that service. And I think that's your book is more on the digital product side. So if anyone listened to that episode with her on episode 175, I think this is a really good book for people to go through to make that transition from just service-based business to maybe you where you have a digital component to it. So can you tell us a book a, a bit about that book and, and what uh, journey they can expect to go through? And by the way, it's available for pre-order today. It goes it goes live on sale next Tuesday. So if you're listening to this episode now, it's either available for pre-sale or if you're listening next week, you can go buy this book right now on Amazon or anywhere books are found. And guess what? This is a podcast, so you can multitask. So pick up your phone, open up Amazon and do that pre-order. I'm As soon as this episode's over, I'm going to put on my best convincing voice to try and get Graham to send me a pre-release <laughs> so that I can read this book before it comes out. Give me that and arc, think, dude. Yes, all, all of us should be reading this book. Oh, I, I appreciate it. I don't, I don't know if you guys need this book, but it, it's the book is pre, like, there's an opportunity right now that I don't know if people understand, which is you can take what you actually know, what you're passionate about, what you're good at, and you can monetize it in a myriad of ways. In this book, I walked you through my story of like being on food stamps, not understanding the online business world, not even knowing that I was trying to start an online business. I was just trying to get clients for my freelance business and how that turned into like a, a whole search for how to monetize this content that was kind of blowing up a little bit on YouTube and learning that, okay, ads and all this stuff isn't the best way. Having your own digital products is. And I had to discover for myself, there was other people out there doing it. I didn't even know they were, I didn't know what to look for. I didn't know it was a thing. And so just the journey of going from like food stamps and not knowing what I'm doing and groping in the dark and like trying to figure it out to building a seven figure business and then doing it again in a different niche I, I tell that story a little bit to show people like, look, I didn't have a vision. I'm not an Elon Musk. I'm not a Jeff Bezos. I don't have this grand entrepreneur narrative. I stumbled into something and we are living in the best time right now to take what you're good at, what you know, and turn it into an online business. And specifically to your point about Rachel, like a digital product-based business. So instead of selling your service, which has a limitation, you can only serve but so many clients or, or raise your rates, but so much, so much of a level. Although Chris, you've, you've been able to like leverage that with other people underneath you. So you, there's a third lever, lever there, but at some point you still hit limits. And so digital products are a great addition to a service-based business or replacing of it. If you can productize through an online course or a membership site, what you you know, or what you're teaching or what you're doing for clients, maybe that's to me where the lifestyle comes in because then your business can scale. So for example, 
had two businesses like this, this new business, right? Now, now this is a seven figure business. I work six hours a week on the Graham Cochran brand. I only put in six hours of work a week, not including the book and all the book launch stuff and trying to figure that all out. I'm not getting paid for any of that. That's just me trying to like take over the world. But like the business takes only six hours of me and then it's, it's doing over a million dollars a year. How is that possible? I'm not serving clients. I've got digital products and automation. And then when you build an audience through discoverable content, it gets out of hand in a beautiful way. And so in the book, I just sort of explain, here's the business model. Here's why we're at the beginning of an easily 30 or 40 year wave. We haven't missed the wave. We're, we're on the surfboard at the front of the wave and it's a huge wave and it's coming. And then I explain how it works through six chapters based on like, it's like what I teach in my courses, basically. Here's the six steps. If you don't have any idea what your business is to how to launch it, productize it, automate it, and then how to then scale it from there. My goal with this book was to make a book that you actually not only know exactly what to do. So it's not just hype. It's like, here's the business model. You don't have to pay Graham anything more than this book. You could actually go build a business, but not just that you would come away feeling like you could actually do it. Because we're dealing with a lot of limiting beliefs in the book, a lot of common misconceptions or doubts or objections. I try to address all of them. So people have no excuse after the book. They actually could put it down and be like, wow, I think I could do this. Because that's where life change happens when you actually believe you can do it. That's the hallmark of a good teacher. And hopefully even with my teaching and podcasting and my courses, I hope I'm not just transferring information, but I'm transferring the belief in yourself that you can actually go do what you just learned how to do because that's when you will see life change. And so the book is very approachable. It's a fun, fast read. And I think it's just going to help, hopefully help a ton of people get into better, more creative work that's fulfilling and profitable. Well, I, again, I cannot, I, there's no one I have a higher recommendation for than Graham Cochran and anything he puts out, I believe in. So I just want to say again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I want to say anyone still listening right now, go open up Amazon, either pre-order the book or order it if it's out now. Thanks for coming on and kicking our butts, dude. Anytime. If you need a good butt kicking, just call good old Graham. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs>